0: All right, Mark chapter 2, I know all the kids are super excited because they get to listen to me, all right, yeah. so much better than listening to Stacy. it's so much better to listen to me, all right, Mark chapter 2, for those who are not here for the first hour, well, I... You're about six hours behind now, okay? So, uh, especially if you didn't listen to all the podcast episodes, so I'll try to make it simple. We are working on Mark chapter two, verse twenty-six, because Mark chapter two, verse twenty-six is a very, very difficult passage of Scripture. To explain the controversy and the difficulty, I will read this that I have read now multiple times on the podcast in the introductory section of his 2005 best-selling book, Misquoting Jesus. Bart Ehrman pointed to one verse in the Gospel of Mark as being the reason for him renouncing his belief in the divine inspiration of Scripture and leading him to completely abandon Christianity. And it was all because of Mark chapter 2, verse 26. There, there are multiple problems in Mark 2, 26. Why he focused on 26 and not all of the issues, I don't know. But for Bart Ehrman, it was because of one name, and that name was Abiathor. Because in Mark, Jesus points them to 1 Samuel 21 and then in David's interaction with a high priest by the name of Abiathar. But if you go to 1 Samuel, it's not Abiathar, it's a Ahimelech. So that there's a problem. And so for Bart Ehrman, he tried to come up with a solution. And what was his ultimate answer? The gospel of Mark was in error. And if the gospel of Mark is in error, then you cannot trust the Bible. And if you cannot trust the Bible, then Christianity cannot be true. All right. That's basically the progression of thought. So we are working on trying to find solutions. But there is another problem in this story. What's the other problem? Well, if, I'll just retell the story really quick for everyone who wasn't here. The, Jesus and his disciples are work, walking through a field, right? Okay, according to Matthew, they're hungry, they pluck. The text says corn. We were having a discussion. Was it corn or was it wheat? That, that's, that Someone made a good observation there. We, we, we won't add that to our problems at this point, but we, we will try to address that at some point. Okay, So they, they grab it, and the Pharisees, are they look at the situation like, wait a minute, you're doing what? You're breaking the Sabbath. You're working on the Sabbath. And then Jesus, in his response, says, have you not read? And tells them of something David did in the past, where David went in and took, because he was hungry, and took bread, the show bread, and ate it. And it seems to imply that what David did was what? Unlawful. So Jesus seems to be saying, hey, what we do, you can't blame us. If, what David, did, if David could break the law, we could break the law. He's almost using what we could, we could argue is situational ethics, which raises some serious questions, does it not? Right, because I guess what I could use the same everyone could use the same argument. Hey, I killed my husband. I mean David killed a guy I'm not, okay women, I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that you should use that, but I'm just saying, hey <laughs> I'm not saying to do that i'm I'm making the argument that if that based on this logical way of thinking, you could do that with everything. well, Abraham did that or or so and so did that, and so and so did that well. That can't be what Jesus is trying to do. Would everyone agree? So we got to come up with an answer. But before we can deal with the David problem, we've got to deal with the Abiathar problem. And so, what are the steps you take when you're confronted with a problem? The first thing we realize is it's in the Gospel of Mark. So that immediately gave us a clue. The same story is probably told where? In the other Gospels, and we found that the same story is told in what other two Gospels? Matthew and Luke. So I had everyone create three columns, right? And we looked at everything in Matthew, we looked at everything in Luke, and we looked at everything in Mark. I'm not going to go back to all the observations. We spent an hour working on this, okay? But what were the main takeaways from our observations? What was our main takeaways for those who were here in the first hour? Okay, just the main takeaways from all three. Okay, Matthew does not mention Abiathor. Number two, Matthew does add a problem because he adds another reference to another possible breaking of the law, which is like, what, Matthew, would you just stop? Would you cut it out? We, We don't need more problems, okay? All right, next, what's the next thing Matthew did? He gave us three lessons that Jesus gives at the end, which could be actually helpful. All right. He causes a problem, but he may actually be helpful. All right. Then, what did, what major observations do we find in Mark? Well, Mark mentions Abiathor For crying out loud, why did you do that? But he leaves out the additional breaking of the law concept, and Mark only gives us how many uh, lessons? Two. All right. Number three, when we go to Luke, all right, or, or the third reference, and Luke, what were the main observations? Do I? Uh, he, gives, he gives more time information, which may or may not be helpful. More, in, yeah, more information about exactly what they did. They plucked, they ate, and they rubbed together, which is why some, someone pointed out that it could be possibly wheat, which is just an interesting observation. All right, Anything else in Luke that was significant? Only one lesson. The same lesson that's repeated in all three, and what's the lesson in all three? The son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath, all right? Which may help us at least come up with maybe the David problem. Maybe. We don't know, right? Okay? And what did Luke not include? Abiathar. Now, wouldn't it be great if Mark didn't do that? But on some ways, this is good news, Right? Because if Matthew doesn't mention Abiathor and Luke doesn't mention a then we don't have to find ourselves having to deal with more information about Abiathor or more issues. We've just got to deal with Mark's reference to him. Agreed? So what are we, what's the next step after looking at all that? We got to go to the original story that Jesus pointed them to, which is found where? 1 Samuel 21, all right, everyone ready, okay, everyone ready, I know everyone's excited, you're like, yes, okay, all right, you're probably not excited, but that's okay, and what, and I'll just, from a practical standpoint, I guess what kind of irritates me, if if everyone paid attention to the podcast this week we spent three plus hours just reviewing random sermons from just your average church and nobody even addressed the problem i guess what drives me crazy is that i know if i if what we're doing today in the first hour and the second hour let's be honest if i was at any other church and tried this what would be what would what would be my employment status come monday i'd be i wouldn't have a job most people, if they walked into this church and saw what we were doing, they would walk out going, what is that? That's not, that's not church. That's, that's, I need a sermon. Uh, I don't want a seminary lesson. Well, my thing is, wait a minute. If we're not going to actually deal with the text, then what's the point? We're just playing a game. We just want a sermon. We, don't want, we have to deal with this stuff, right? Okay, I'm, I'm going to just continue to, to promote that I'm doing it the right way, okay? Because I'm convinced that this is the right way to do it. All right, here we go. First Samuel 21. Everybody ready? Verse 1. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? All right, immediately in 1 Samuel 21, what are we confronted with? That the person David is talking to is Ahimelech, not Abiathar. We are immediately confronted with that. Does everybody see that? Immediately confronted with that fact. What's the second thing we are immediately confronted with? Okay, I think two people said it. Fear. All right, I'm glad everyone caught that. That's good. That's, That's a good, that's good. I was hoping everyone caught that. He's afraid. He's afraid. All right. Okay, uh, for, uh, 1 Samuel 21, if I said a different reference, I apologize, okay? Because some people were looking around, making sure I gave it the right, the right information. All right, number two, uh, verse 2. And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business, whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Yes, David is lying. Oh no, we don't need more problems. We don't need more problems. David, why? Now, do you understand how difficult this makes everything? Jesus is pointing to a story where David is straight up lying as somehow Defense for his disciples' actions? They're like of all the stories you could pick to quote from, could we stay away with David and Ahimelech? This is a lost story. You don't even want your kids to read this story. You're like David. David is running from Saul. He's fleeing from Saul. What did he just tell the priest? That he's a and why would David tell the priest this? Why do you, the priest is what afraid, so he's trying to alleviate his fears by telling him what? Oh, I, I'm I'm on the king's business. It's messed up. You know why it's messed up? You know what ultimately happens in this story? The priest get killed. Now, for me, if Bart Ehrman had a problem. It shouldn't have been Mark (laughs) 2.26. Okay, I would have been like, wait, 1 Samuel is a problem. I will argue there's thousands, well, thousands maybe somewhat of hyperbole. There are a lot of stories in the Bible that are disturbing, right? A lot of stories in the Bible that are disturbing. And you know what? It's okay that they're disturbing. Why do you think we find disturbing stories in the Bible that really just bother us? Why do you think we find disturbing stories in the Bible that should bother you? The average Christian just acts like it's not a bother, but it should just cause you like massive problems. Why do you think that? This is just a very important apologetic question. It's a, sto- it's a story of real people. Change the names. Give me the stories of your lives. It, Isn't it weird that when we read the Old Testament, we see the stories of people who believe in God, who do absolutely messed up stuff. But somehow in the minds of Christians, no, the people of God, we don't do anything wrong. We don't mess up. We don't sin. We don't struggle. We don't have lust. We don't do anything. And if you do, you're not saved. That's the Christian mindset. The Old Testament is... These people believe in God and they were beyond messed up. I'm glad we have the messed up stories because I'm messed up. And so are you. Okay, you're all looking at me. Yep, you are. You You, you, You are too. Now what's the good news from all of this? That you can be messed up and still believe in God, and still be saved, because God saves messed up people, not on the lack of them being messed up, but on his perfection. Aren't you glad you're saved by his perfection, and that has nothing to do with how messed up you are? Now, that doesn't excuse it. I'm not saying, well, hey, God saves messed up people, so I'm going to go to Vegas and really show them how messed up I am. I'm not telling you to do that. But David is messed up. This is, look, he's lying. I just want you to realize he's lying. And that's just on a good day for David. But he's still a man after God's own heart. How is that humanly possible? Because that's the reality of your life. Look, I, I try to be a someone who loves God and a man after God's own heart, but I'm still a, a man and a human with all kinds of struggles and difficulties just like you. No? Am I the only one who can relate to David? I kind of relate. I mean, I, I can relate to David. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to destroy your idea, but there's no perfect people in the Bible other than one, and they crucified him. All right, verse three. So, what do we have in verse one? If you're writing down your observations, David is dealing with Ahimelech, and Ahimelech is scared. Number two, David lies. Number three, or verse three. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what there is present. What jumps out to you in verse three? Well, David, he doesn't ask. He demands. Why do you think he feels he can demand? Sarah just said it. He's using the lie. Why could he demand? He's on the king's business. Right? Right? It's like, hey, I'm working for the FBI. Give me your car. He's using the lie. That's that's okay. Now, as I'm reading this story, I'm getting a little irritated, David. Especially because I'm centering, I know some people are gonna die. I'm really getting really irritated with David right now, okay? And you're like, but we gotta still fill a biathor, and I I know we gotta figure that out, but we can't figure anything out until we observe everything. We gotta do the observation, all right? So this story is really troubling, okay? So He's like, give me. He doesn't say, may I? What does he say? What is under your hand? Give me. You don't even you get irritated when your kids do that, right? If you walk into the house and they're like, give me lunch. I'm on a mission from the king. You'd be like, you better sit down or you're never going to see the king again. Okay, right? Agreed? I mean, it's, it's kind of... He says it in a very demanding way, and he's saying it in a demanding way because he's claiming that he's under the authority of the king. In other words, you better give me or you're going to be in trouble with the king. No, you're not going to be in trouble with the king unless you help David. Because Saul wants David what? Dead. In fact, if you don't give him anything, you'll probably get rewarded by Saul. But who has that information? Who doesn't have that information? Ahimelech. But Ahimelech has maybe some suspicion because he's scared. Right? What happens in the next verse? And the, priest, and the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hollowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. That's interesting. Now, this adds, we got what's going on here? Okay, you can't have the bread unless they've kept themselves from having any relationships with women. That's in that interesting. So so what 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 we uh, we won't do it right now, but we probably need to try to figure out what in the world is going on here. Agreed? Does that seem a little odd? Like, wait, what what law? So you can't have the bread if you've been with a woman, but if you haven't for what? How many days then you can have the bread? Like yeah, is this a ceremonial law? Like, we, we, we got to figure this out. Do you have a cross-reference? If, if you do, we won't, we're not going to look it up right now because we're just making an observation. I don't want to... We do have a cross-reference? Okay, make sure you write it down so that we can make an easy reference back to it later on. I don't want us to get caught up in, in all of this, okay? Verse 5. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common yea, though it was though it were sanctified this day in the vessel so David's claim is we haven't been with women for how many days? three days so therefore the bread therefore is in a sense common and now we can partake of it now we could Is this true? Is this not true? At this point, I don't know if we can trust David on anything, right? Agreed? All right. Verse 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread or shoebread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. They would take this, these loaves of bread, they would place them there, and then after so many days, they would take them, basically, and then replace them with hot bread. Okay, and there was symbolism here, and we could go through all the different things. I think it was 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes. I believe I could be wrong, but all right, you get the idea. Okay, verse 7. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg and Edomite, the ch- chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Now, at that point, if you're watching the movie, what, kind, what just happened? Dun, 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 dun. All of a sudden, the camera, like, David is sitting there, give us the bread. And all of a sudden, the camera pans over to the corner. There's Doeg. No and he's watching, you're like, you're busted. You're finished. You're in all kinds of trouble. And guess what Doeg does? Does anybody know what he does? He tells Saul. Look at first Samuel twenty two. Starting verse thirteen. We'll just go to verse thirteen. First Samuel twenty two, thirteen. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and thou have given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait at this day? Now look at verse 14. Who is he saying that to? Then Ahimelech. Now please note, Ahimelech, he didn't know what he was doing. You feel bad. Who's, Who's the victim here? Ahimelech. And then what happens? And Amalek answered the king and said, "And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son and law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honourable in thine house? Now it's crazy that Ahimelech almost defends David, right? It's like, wow, that I don't know if I'd have been." Okay, I, I I don't know if I would have been as as I i tend to be a little I'd be like, look, man, the guy lied to me. Okay, <laughs> I'll find him for you. I don't know if I would have been so godly in the situation. Okay, but verse fifteen. But we'll, we could get into all kinds of yeah. This this story raises so many questions, right? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all, this less or more. So now he kind of tries to defend himself. Hey, I didn't know anything. He tries to defend David, because obviously Saul's crazy, right? But at the same time, he kind of says, look, I didn't know anything. And then what happens? And the king said, Wow. Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand... Also as with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hands to fall upon the priest of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day four score and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. How many people die? Eighty-five people are slaughtered because of David. Does that bother anybody? Just slaughtered. Now, obviously, Saul's the one guilty. But David put him in. It had been one thing for David to walk up and go, all right, guys, here's a situation. We're starving? Oh, Yeah. All kinds of people get slaughtered. Even little babies get slaughtered as a result of this. Right. Yeah. Abiathar escapes. Yeah. Yeah. Whose, whose father? Amalek. is Amalek. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, but people get slaughtered. Baby gets slaughtered as a result of this. So just make sure you understand. Like if David would have walked up and said, hey guys we're starving, we need food, the king's trying to kill us. And then they would say, okay, we're going to give you food. If they die then, at least they do so knowing the risk. But to be, have it all fall upon them out of deception is messed up. Agreed? Now, you can, I want to make sure you understand this. Let's make sure we understand it. Why? This is the, the question of questions. Why can David be viewed as a man after God's own heart? Why can David be spoken of in Romans as a man of faith? Because his salvation is not dependent on his action. It's dependent upon the imputed righteousness of Christ. Remember in Romans, Paul uses David as the kind of person that his sin is not imputed to him. Not based on what David did, but on the righteousness of Christ. That, that, like, David is a messed up individual who made horrible decisions and did things wrong. You can never forget that. And it's so weird that Christians run around going, well, you can't be a Christian, you can't be a Christian. Then what in the world was David? He got an entire city slaughtered. Little babies killed. That's some messed up stuff. And sometimes we teach, uh, I think that's one of the problems sometimes in Sunday school is we teach the little kids how great these people are. These people were messed up. And your little kids are going to grow up and you're going to be messed up. So your hope is not in not being messed up. It's in Jesus Christ being perfect. Now, you don't want the kids to be messed up, but they need to know from a very early age they're going to mess up. They're going to sin. They're sinners. And what do sinners do? Sin. And what do the sinners in the Old Testament do? Sin. And guess what? The New Testament may not record every action, but they're sinners. That's why Paul said the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do. And then it's Christians who come along and go, no, 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 no. We're perfect, basically. No, you're not. We're sinners. Does that make sense? All right. Now, this leaves us with a big question. After you read that story, what are you left with? What in the world is Jesus pointing to this story for? Of all the stories you could pick, why this one? I, I don't have a good answer for that because I would, I would just be like, if Jesus was talking, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, shh, shh. Never mention Abiathor. Never mention that story ever again. Don't you know how messed up that story is? But Jesus throws it out there. So what are we left with? All right. We've looked at all the, we've got, the, we've got some major information given to us in 1 Samuel. Do we not? None of it's good. But what does 1 Samuel not do? Doesn't answer us anything, right? Just gives us a himalek. Like it doesn't, doesn't mention why Abiathor is considered the one that David is talking to. Doesn't answer that in any way, shape, or form. All right, so we've looked at all the Gospels. We looked at 1 Samuel. What do we still have? No answers. All right, so what can we do? Bible dictionary time. Not saying it's going to help, but we'll try. We've. we've We've scoured the pages of Scripture and we don't have a good answer. Agreed, we don't have a good answer. We've, we've searched it, we've gone through it. All right, so what should we do, use the Bible Dictionary for? What do you think? What can we use the Bible Dictionary for to offer any kind of help or assistance? Let's look up a and let's look up a Imelech. And let's see if the dictionary offers any information that may even hint at a possible solution. Now, what do you think? The, do anyone want to put money on what they think the dictionary is going to do? <laughs> do we think it's going to actually address the issue? Maybe it will. Maybe it will not. We're going to find out. Someone finds, find the, uh, the entry for Abiathar. Someone's got it? Give me a page number. Page four. That's early on, huh? Okay. Abiathar. All right. And his name means. Everybody see it? Father of abundance. Okay. Now, uh, Sarah, you have a different Bible dictionary. Okay. now, before we do anything, just to show you how utterly frustrating this is, okay, as we work through our problems, I have an entire book here that is, get past all the footnotes, I guess I could count those. This book is almost 400 pages long, 400 pages, and guess what this, this bo- the book is called? Those So-Called Errors. 400 pages dealing with all the possible errors and difficulties in the Bible. Guess what is not even mentioned? Mark 2:26. Don't even address it. Don't even don't even acknowledge it. All right? That's problem number 1. Okay, now problem number 2. And I'm going to really I'm going I'm to really drive this point home here for practical. Because when we do these kinds of things, I try to throw in the practical lessons so you don't leave church feeling like you didn't get anything, right? I, I try to throw in the practical lessons. Everybody, I want everybody to remember this. We spent three plus hours on the podcast. I chose three random sermons from your average church. Three plus hours, and what did we get? Not one church even acknowledged one problem in Mark to. They, didn't even, they didn't even acknowledge it. In fact, they went so far that when they made a reference to 1 Samuel, what, how did they reference Ahimelech? The priest. They did not even give his name. Which is completely on purpose. Alright? So let me make it very clear. One of the problems in churches is not what they say, it's what they avoid. Some churches, the problem, you say, well, what's the problem with this church? It may not be that I can say these exact words. It's what they will never do. They give you sermons. They don't give you a study of the text. And I get very angry in this story because of this. And here's the reason why. Bart Ehrman should not have been at a Bible college, seminary, wherever he was, I can't remember all the the details, studying the Bible, and that was the first time he discovered the problem. You know where he should have discovered the problem? In church. Churches would stop being entertainment centers and actually a place of study. Bart Ehrman, as soon as the problem was brought up, he would have been... Look, man, my pastor caused me more doubt than you ever could. That's what. That's how y'all could always answer it, right? An atheist walks up to you, you're like, you got nothing. You need to meet my pastor. He's made me completely question the existence of that I even live. Okay, so I don't, be, I, I don't know what I believe. Okay, and I know sometimes that's frustrating, and I know sometimes you want three points in a prayer, but the only way to study the text is to deal with it. So it's isn't it insane that a four hundred page book that's supposed to deal with the problems in the Bible don't even address the issue? It's a problem. All right. So let's continue our work. We got to hurry. We got like we're not going to get far, but we're going to see. All right. So we got a uh, uh, not yeah not a himaleg, a Biathor. All right. And we have the his name meaning of his name which is what father of abundance. Of the father is preeminent. So, we have some disagreement on the meaning of the names, which is common, but that's why we'll use multiple Bible dictionaries, right? Very important lesson there. All right, everybody here, I want to make sure everyone, as I'm going through this, I'm giving you lessons on how to deal with these problems. Why do you always need to look at multiple Bible dictionaries? First, it's not inspired. In many cases, they don't agree, right? So So far, so good. He is one of the two chief priests in the court of David. Abiathor was the son of Ahimelech of the priestly clan of Eli from Shiloh, 1 Samuel 22.20. Someone look up 1 Samuel 22.20 and tell me if, that's, if that is accurate or if it's giving us correct information. Abiathor? yeah. Okay, everybody, so everybody got that, right? Just want to make sure that when the dictionary gives a reference, what do you always do? Look it up, because what have we discovered a couple of times? They give a reference, and we still to this day don't know why the reference was there, right? Okay, when the residents of the priestly village of Nob were massacred by Saul for helping David, Abiathar was the only one to escape. 1 Samuel 22, 6 through 23. I think we can all agree that that story is there because we've already made a reference to it. Yes, all right. When David eventually became king, he appointed Abiathar along with Zadok, priest in the royal court. All right, so what do we know? Abiathar does not become priest till when? Till David becomes king. The story, David is not king. So we clearly can't say that Abiathor was priest. Now, the, why am I pointing this out? Why am I pointing this fact out? Because it says he's a priest. Okay, it says he's a priest in Mark 26, high priest, and clearly David is not king. Here's the reason I want to point this out. I want everyone to pay close attention to me. Here's a possible way people get around it. People try to say, well, and I'm not saying that this is even a, a, a normal solution. People say, well, here, here's the thing. It's possible that Ahimelech and Abiathar were serving as priests at the same time. So therefore, Mark would be accurate in referring to either one. Well, what we just read demonstrates What? Bythar does not become priest until David becomes king. There's no way to say David is king at this time. Everyone agree? So that, that at least creates, that, that, that creates a possible problem and making this a possible solution. right? Does, the, does it go on to add any more information? Well, let's continue to read. When David's son Absalom tried to take his throne by force, David was forced to leave Jerusalem. Zadok and Abiathar carried the Ark of the Covenant out of the capital city, but later returned it it at the command of David. Both priests remained in Jerusalem to inform David of Absalom's plans. After Absalom's death, Abiathar and Zadok carried the message of reconciliation to Amasa and the elders of Judah. During the struggle over who would succeed as king, Abiathar supported Adonijah, when Solomon emerged as the new ruler. Zadok was appointed priest in the royal court, where Abiathar escaped execution only because of his earlier loyalty to David. He and his family were banished to Anathoth, and his rights and privileges uh, as a Jerusalem priest were taken away. Some scholars believe Abiathar may have written portions of First and 2 Samuel, especially the sections describing the royal court life under David. Interesting information? Anything that helps us? Does it help or, or hinder our uh, look for a solution? I say it hinders. Oh, but no, let me, let's use a different word. It eliminates possible solution. Would everyone agree? Okay. It, what, what solution does it eliminate? That somehow a could have been priest at the time. It eliminates that, right? Go to a Ahimelech. And when you find that reference, let us know where it's at, if you get there before I do. 35. Here we go. I can find it. All right, here we go. A Ahimelech. All right. What is uh, the meaning of his name according to this dictionary? My brother is king. A uh, couple of things, Sarah, in the other dictionary, did it offer any answers or solutions to the problem or does it even address the problem? Okay, what did it say? Here we go. Okay, so that dictionary at least tries to address the problem. All right, so let's do this. Okay, okay, hang on. We'll, okay, hang on. We'll we'll get to that in just a second. All right, so let's do this. In our let's write down on paper possible solutions, as found in which dictionary? This is Unger. Unger's dictionary. All right, possible solutions as found in Unger's dictionary. All right. Let's see what we can come up with. Now you already you should already be frustrated by the fact that we looked at everything in the text and we didn't come up with an answer. Now, Bobby's got a verse that he thinks maybe we'll we'll look at it in a minute. But so so right now we're back, we're to the dictionaries. Okay. So what is option number one that they offer as a possible solution? That Jesus used the name of the more famous priest? All right. That Jesus simply used the name of the most more famous priest. Okay, now, what's the problem with that? Okay, well, first of all, he's using the name of the more famous priest in a story when the person wasn't a priest. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a priest or the high priest. So that's problem number one. Does everyone agree that that's an issue? Hey, you can't just use the name of the most a more high, famous high priest when he wasn't even priest at the time. Okay, true. Okay, maybe. All right, true. Did you have some? No. Uh, okay. Sorry. All right. So, but the point is, he wasn't a priest, right? Does everybody does everybody understand that that possible solution? <clears throat> does everybody or did Mark refer to him as high priest? Very okay. Good job. Good job. See, that's why we gotta see why we do the observations first. All right. Good job, uh, Emma. All right. Good job. So clearly, he's not a high priest at the time. So saying Jesus just chose the more famous high priest to insert into the story. What what would that call into question? What what would that solution lead to? Questioning Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You just chose a name to throw into the story? Like, it's not accurate. It's not right. It's not anything. All right, I'm just going to choose the most famous one because everyone knows Abiathar, but they don't know Ahimelech. Well, if you know Abiathar, wouldn't you know Ahimelech since that's his father? I mean, come on, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. All right, second possible solution is that they were reigning at the same time. All right. all right. Well, the only problem with that is one, the other dictionary says Abiathar does not become priest until David becomes king. Right? Number two, Mark refers to Abiathar as the high priest. So you wouldn't have two high priests. You would have a high priest and then a, like a, a, a co-priest with you. That wouldn't be, that, that, that seems to cause some problems. So do those solu- solutions fix anything? No. In fact, they actually raise questions. All right. What solution did you have Bobby or what verse did you want us to look at 1 Samuel twenty two eleven. First 1 Samuel twenty two eleven. then the king sent to call Ahimelech okay then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest the son of Hi- Ahiatub and all his father's house the priests that were in Nob and they came all of them to the king right how is that a solution? okay now whether he's a high priest, you know, I, of I don't know that. Hmm. Do we do we have cry right. okay no well let, let's at least let's work on this okay if we say this verse is also making a reference to a Himala- or a Abiathar as being a priest, if, we, if we're going to make that claim, here's what we need to dis- figure out. Everybody ready? Find me anywhere in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel where it actually describes Abiathar becoming priest. Does it state anywhere where he becomes the priest? He's appointed priest. He's made a priest. If it comes after that verse, then that verse cannot be referring to him as priest. If we have no record anywhere where he's ever declared to be a priest, he just starts acting as a priest, then we don't know exactly when he was made priest. Do you see what I'm trying to do? All right, so your job, go to 1 Samuel and start looking. Or you can go back to the, uh, the dictionary reference to Abiathor when it says David made him priest. Do they offer a scripture? Second Samuel eight seventeen. Everyone, look at Second Samuel eight seventeen. Okay, Second Samuel what chapter eight? You say we should go back to verse thirteen for context. All right, Second Samuel eight thirteen. Y'all start looking and go all the way down to what verse seventeen. All right, Second Samuel eight. Starting, you said 13 to 18, right? All right, y'all look at that and tell me what you find. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to have you look at this. Tell me what you discover. Do we find anything? Okay, okay, this is after David is ruling over Israel. All right, so that's, that's very important. That gives us an important time, all right? Does it specifically say? That Abiathor is made priest. And Zadok, the son of Holyhor. And yeah. Ahimelech, the son of Abiathor, right. a priest. So does isn't even Yeah, say the son of Ahimelech, the is priest of Zadok. Yeah. Okay. Which is yes, it's confusing. But it doesn't say necessarily when he was made priest, does it? Does it say when he's appointed? Does it say when he was made priest? Got Ahimelech. Yeah, first all, has David calling for and Abiath. Abiathor, or Abiathor, yeah. The priest. The priest. Okay, we don't have, so we don't have when he's appointed. Do we, do we have anything that says when he's appointed? Now, this is very important because if we can't figure out when he's appointed, then we don't know exactly when he's made priest. Does, do you have something? 1 Samuel 23. First Samuel 23. Verse 9, 1 Samuel 23, 9. Everyone look at 1 Samuel 23, 9. You're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. So it's good that Bobby brought this up because this gets us all working on trying to figure this out. We may come to a conclusion that it doesn't work, but we're trying. 1 Samuel 23, 9. Before we read it, everyone stop and pay attention. Another practical lesson. All right? Very important. All right? This is important. Whenever you're dealing with a problem or an interpretation, you must always do this. You, you place your interpretation down, not as an answer, but as simply a hypothesis. And then what do you always do with the hypothesis? You test it. And you have to be willing to acknowledge when your answer doesn't work. Some people get really like, especially usually Christian men, they get egotistical and prideful. Like, no, it's right. And they always, and just calm down. It's okay to be wrong because you're wrong a lot, okay? So if you're, if you're a Bible student, what's the one thing you have to determine? That you're wrong a lot, okay? Bible study is like math. You're always wrong in math because there's no right answers, okay? All right, does that make sense? Well, now I know you're telling me there's right answers in math, but there's not really, okay? It's all theoretical. All right, so 1 Samuel 23, 9. What, 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 what's here, Seth? goes to meet David, you know, David at the end after his house is Abiathar's house is destroyed, destroyed right? Uh, David said, Hey, "Come live with me." Yada, okay. Yada. this is not long after that. And it says David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him and said to Abiathar, the priest, "Bring the ephod here," which he brought from his house. Okay. Uh, and that's that's it. So you're saying that in 1 Samuel 23, Abiathar is already referred to as a priest. So then he would have to have been made a priest prior to 1 Samuel 23. Now, is David already king in 1 Samuel 23? Ooh. Oh. He later becomes high priest. Now, Mark using the phrase high priest may still cause us some problems, Right? But it appears that Abiathar is referred to as a priest prior to David becoming king. Everyone look at 1 Samuel 23, nine and see if we agree with Seth. Here's your opportunity to tell Seth he's wrong. Okay? Come on. Just tell Seth he's wrong. We don't care he's a fireman. That doesn't matter. Okay? Right? Come on. Here's your opportunity. Tell Seth he's wrong. I want someone to tell Seth he's wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm telling, I want you to say that he's wrong and prove that he's wrong because that goes a long way into either if we found a, a possible solution here. Okay, well, let's do this. Find me the reference where David is then becomes king. Because 1 Samuel 23, 9, Seth is arguing he's not king, Right? So find me where he's king so we can dogmatically assert, no, he doesn't become king to this text. Where does David become king? Second Samuel 2 Second Samuel 2? What verse? Second Samuel 2 Samuel 2? What? 2 four Does everyone agree for second uh, 2 Samuel 24 describes David becoming king? Is there complete agreement on this? We need 100% agreement. He's anointed king over the house of Israel, second 2 Samuel 24, right? Okay, Everyone agree that first Samuel 23 is a narrative that comes before this. Yes? And first Samuel 23, Abiathar, does everyone go back to 1 Samuel 23, verse 9, right? Everyone look at verse 9. Now, we need to look at every translation we can come up with, right? Seth is using the ESV. You have an NIV. Everyone else has KJV, right? Everyone look at 1 Samuel 23, 9 and tell me, is Abiathar being referred to as a priest? Okay, Mary, the new church member says yes. yes. So she needs to get used to being told she's wrong now. Right? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> because I do that all the time. I have you ask questions and I tell you're wrong. And some people get very offended over it, but you should get used to it. All right, we have the Blue Letter Bible app. Twyla's got the answer. Okay, and how many different translations do you look at? She's got a, she's got a lot. So, there's no textual issue. So, 1 Samuel 23, Abiathor is a priest. When does he get anointed? Because the story takes place in 21, right? 23 is already called a priest. So, somewhere between 23.9 and 1 Samuel 20, either he has to be anointed a priest after 1 Samuel 21, but before 23.9. I'm not saying this proves everything, but does this not kind of eliminate? or at least create the possibility that he may not be a high priest. We still got to fix that problem, but it may be fair to say he was a priest. Now, he's not the priest David deals with, but go back to Mark 2. Go back to Mark 2. This is very important. Go back to Mark 2. Ah, there, that's the observation I was wanting someone to give me. Look at Mark two twenty six. Read the words carefully. Have you not read? He tells David, and what what is the only said thing said in reg- uh, the only thing said in regards to Abiathar? It just says in the days of Abiathor, he is referred to as the high priest, but it doesn't say what it, if. if you, it doesn't necessarily say what David ha- said or didn't say to him. Well, I guess it's implied that David asks Abiathar for the bread, right? Does it seem to imply that in Mark 2? In the days of Abiathar. That does refer to him as a high priest. That does create at least a small problem. He did eat the showbread. He doesn't say what he said or didn't say to Abiathar. Okay, do you understand how important this is? It just mentions in the days of Abiathor, it does not say that he talked to him, spoke to him, asked him anything. That is an absolute critical observation. Right? That's awesome. So there's a possibility. Can we write this down as a possibility? It is possible that Abiathor was a priest at this time. Uh-oh, Emma's, Emma's either getting ready to say no, or... Okay. All right. According to the dictionary, right. We're calling into question now... That he was called a priest prior to David becoming king, according to the text, not according to the Bible dictionary. Been able to make him high priest? Oh, true. Now, David may have been the one who made him high priest, he but, priest. but he may have already been a priest. Okay. All right. So at least we can say that it's very possible that Abiathar, in the times of Abiathor. This occurred. Abiathar would have been alive at the time that this occurred in 1 Samuel 21. He would have been alive. And he would have been a priest. The only problem is we don't think he was high priest. All right. Everybody got that? All right. Now we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop. So now there's probably a part of you going, wait a minute. Why why didn't uh, Bart Ehrman figure this out? Now, there's a lot of reasons why. Sometimes we don't want to find the answers. I can't say that's the case. And I'm not saying we have a good answer. Are there possible problems with our answer? There's possible problems. But what can we now leave here and say, at least this afternoon? Well, we can say this, that the story that Jesus points to did occur in the days of Abiathar. Can we agree with that? We can probably argue that he was a priest. We can make that argument. Correct? Now, that doesn't prove everything. What the problem? So, those are two things we can know for a fact. It did happen during the days of Abiathor because he was alive. Number two, he was a priest. However, what is the one problem we have to acknowledge? He wouldn't have been high priest. All right? So that gets us at least halfway there, right? Would you say that gets us close? All right. Now, I've got a paper from a seminary that we'll, have, we'll, we'll work on this tonight. And it's maddening the directions they go. You're like, what in the world is happening? Like, the direction they go is like, what? Like, I'm, they don't even try to do what we did. So ultimately, where did we find our answer? The text gave us better answers than the dictionary. The dictionary actually was leading us away from this possibility. So, Bobby did a great job in finding a verse that says, well, could this not be referring to Abiathor as a priest as well? And then that got us looking, and then Seth found one that was very specific, and it's before David becomes king, which completely calls into question the Bible dictionary. You see why you can't always look at other resources? All right. Now, everybody remember all of this, okay, because you're going to come in tonight, and I'm going to say, so what did we talk about this morning? You're going to be like, we had church. <laughs> okay. so, this, so when we get here this evening, we're going to start trying to figure this out, all right? And if you think of anything else that we need to observe or question, well, let me know, and then tonight we'll, we'll include that, all right? Sounds good? All right, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this afternoon. I, I can't speak for anyone else in this room, but I am thankful, Lord, that I have a church that would even allow this to take place because in any place else I would be fired um, or they would all leave and I would be have no one to preach to. But I'm grateful for a group of people who are willing to work through these kinds of issues so that we can respect the text and try to find the answers in it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,